Well, good evening, and thank God it is Friday. Yes, it's the weekend. It's Friday, and man, have we got something to talk about today. This might be the podcast where I actually go at least 45 minutes, if not over that, because there is a lot to dive into. I'm going to even give you some scoring updates but there is a story I think is worth bringing to attention because a lot has been said, but it's also a lot has been kind of squashed. You don't hear Nebraska being very adamant now. But I don't think it's the end of that story. So a few days ago in the midst of Nebraska ranting and raving about wanting to play, and to some extent I say you really don't blame them. Uh, a story came out and said Hogs Huskers to Big 12 makes sense to a particular Nebraska writer, and he's right. The story goes on and says, In the Big 10, Nebraska is about in the same boat Arkansas finds itself in the Southeastern Conference these days. Neither carry a lot of weight and get about the same amount of respect from the league. Sean Callahan of HuskersOnline.com thinks both of them should find a new home. How about Nebraska and Arkansas to the Big 12 together? He told Derek Ruskin and Zach Arns, Ruskin and Zach, Wednesday afternoon on ESPN Arkansas. There have been some in Arkansas asked the same question. None of them have much say in the matter, but it's a question he said, me and some other media people have often said. Not to rehash the history of how the Razorbacks ended up in the SEC, but they would have never gone there if they were included in the conversations about merging the old Southwest Conference and Big, Big 8. He says, I've heard that from several people over the last 25 years. Frank Burles hustled the Hogs into the SEC because he thought they were going to be left out in the first real conference shuffle. There was a small one in the 1960s when Georgia Tech and Tulane left the SEC because they wanted to be independent. The Cornhuskers jumped ship on the Big 12 in 2011. It made about as much sense as the Hogs going to the SEC. Nobody is saying much about Arkansas because they are still planning on starting the football season September 26th against somebody. Nebraska isn't just sitting idly by after the Big Ten canceled the football season Tuesday. The rumor mill has been hot and heavy about the Huskers just putting together a schedule and playing games. The Big Ten commissioner basically said if they played football, they would be booted out of the league. No, Commissioner Kevin Warren told Yahoo Sports about Nebraska putting together a schedule on its own. Not and be a member of the Big Ten Conference. The Huskers have gone quiet since a press release Tuesday that they were exploring all options. There's something brewing and it's curious to see where it goes, Callahan said. Nebraska's voice is not respected in this conference. Nebraska is like the redneck cousin that walks into the country club. It really upset Nebraska when all this went down.
financial implications are enormous to the entire area. Will be enormous if the Huskers don't play football. It's as big there as anywhere in the SEC. This state stops for Nebraska football, Callahan said. There is a huge demand for this product in this state. The damage is really unmeasured. Just like it would be in Northwest Arkansas if the Hogs don't get to play games. A lot of businesses would be totally devastated. And like the Hogs in the SEC, the Huskers get almost no respect from the only conference in the country more arrogant than the SEC. Arkansas and Nebraska are pretty similar dynamics, Callahan said. They've had a lot of history and prestige, but haven't been able to do it of late. Nebraska was picked to win the league their first year in 2011. That didn't happen either. They didn't make the championship game in 2012 and were blown out by Brett Bielema's worst Wisconsin team. And the rumors about the Huskers going to the Big 12 are apparently running rampant there. But it does appear Nebraska is exploring options. That's the plan, Callahan said. They've talked to North Dakota State. I'm intrigued if there's something brewing with the Big 12. Is there a piece to that or just talk? It's a life-changing move. While it would be a logical move for the Hogs to make, don't look for it. Don't start the financial aspect because the difference in revenue is not so large when you count the savings and expenses for non-revenue sports travel. Big 12 schools get their cut of the network television money, then are also free to cut their own side deals, like the Longhorn Network or what Oklahoma does. Bigger brands in the Big 12 make right around the same as Big 10, Callahan said. Nebraska's silence tells me maybe they have something brewing. Arkansas and Nebraska would be easily in the top half of rep revenue in the Big 12. Right now, the Hogs are 10th in the SEC while the Huskers are 6th in the Big 10 and behind Arkansas in the most recent financial stories. The reality is the Huskers probably aren't going anywhere and the Hogs aren't either. Which doesn't mean they shouldn't if they want to be taken seriously by their fellow conference members. So, that's been put out. Very interesting, I find. Let me see if it has a ring to it. Arkansas and Nebraska. Big 12 members. Kind of has a ring to it. We'll keep our eye on that situation. Another story of interest, and this is going to be on the local front here. Kansas State and Wichita State to play charity exhibition and in the process also ink a four-game series. Beginning with the charity exhibition game in October, Kansas State will rekindle its men's basketball rivalry against Wichita State with a four-game regular season series launching in the 21 2021-22 season, the schools announced. The teams which last played out, faced off in 2003 will meet on Saturday, October 24th at Interest Bank Arena in Wichita in a charity exhibition game to benefit organizations providing services 
for COVID-19 relief. Head coaches Bruce Weber of Kansas State and Greg Marshall of Wichita State designated charities to benefit from proceeds raised through ticket sales for the game, including Kanza United Way Crisis Center Incorporated, United Way of the Plains, and the Wichita Children's Home. Ticket information for the charity exhibition game will be released at a later date. The charity game has been approved by the NCAA. The four-game regular season agreement calls off-campus at Interest Bank Arena in Wichita on December 5th, 2021, where WSU will be designated home team and at the newly renamed T-Mobile Center in Kansas City on December 22nd, 2023, with K-State serving as the home team. The Wildcats will host the Shockers on December 3rd, 2022, at Bramish Coliseum, and the series will wrap up with the game at Charles Coke Arena on December the 7th, 2024. We are excited about renewing the series with Wichita State, said Weber. Coach Marsh Ram in Wichita, and this will be yet another opportunity for our players to play against the best. I want to thank WSU Athletics Director Darren Boatwright, Coach Marshall, and his staff as well as Executive Associate AD Casey Scott and Director of Operations Drew Spiral for their hard work in getting this series completed. This is a win-win for the schools, their fan bases, and our state. The regular season matchup in December 2021 will be the first meeting between the schools since a 54-50 win by K-State on December 10, 2003 at Bramlage Coliseum. The game at the T-Mobile Center in 2023 will be the first in a city other than Manhattan and Wichita, while the visit to Coke Arena in 2024 will be the first one on the WSU campus since the since a 79-66 win by the Wildcats at then Levitt Arena on December the 7, 2002. K-State leads the all-time series 2011, winning 14 of 16 meetings in Manhattan and posting a 6-9 mark in Wichita. We're excited to revive this series, Athletic Director Gene Taylor said. It's something that makes sense and needed to happen. It'll be great for the fans all across the state with games in Wichita, Manhattan, and Kansas City. I'm really looking forward to this series of games. We appreciate both head coaches as well as WSU Athletic Director Darren Boatwright and our Sport Administrator Casey Scott for all the work they put into making this happen. Under the direction of 14-year head coach Greg Marshall, Wichita State has become one of the top teams in the country, averaging nearly 26 wins per season and advancing to seven NCAA tournaments, including a trip to the Final Four in 2013. The Shockers collected their 11th consecutive 20-win season during the shortened 2019-20 season, posting a 23-8 overall record and earning fourth place in the American Athletic Conference with and 11 and 7 mark. The series dates nearly 90 years when then Municipal University of Wichita defeated Kansas State College of Agriculture in Applied Science 29 27 at the 
Henry Young Gymnasium in Wichita on December 17, 1932. The schools played off and on for the next 30-plus seasons, including a historic 94-86 win by K-State in the 1964 NCAA Midwest Regional Final at the WSU Roundhouse that propelled the Wildcats to the Final Four. The schools played twice a year during the 1969-70 and 1970-71 and 1971-72 seasons, splitting the six-game series before taking a 15-year hiatus beginning with a 77-60 win by K-State at a Hearn Fieldhouse in Manhattan on January 6, 1986. The schools will play at least once in 18 of the next 19 seasons, 1986-2003, including a pair of home-and-home matchups during the 1986-87 season and ending with the 2003 meeting. K-State's Weber has a long history with Wichita State dating back to his days as head coach at Southern Illinois where he posted a 9-1 mark against the Shockers from 1998 to 2003. Overall, he is 10-1 against WSU with his Illinois teams, collecting a 55-54 win in the latest meeting on November 25, 2005 at the South Padre Island. Invitational in South Padre Island, Texas. Weber and Marshall have never coached against each other. The Wichita State Series is the first of several signed by K-State with regional rivals in the coming seasons as the Wildcats will face former Big 12 rival Nebraska in each of the next three seasons. 20, in the 2020-21 season, 2021-22 season, and 2022-23 season, including a pending matchup at the T-Mobile Center on December 19th. So there you have some local flavor, local or regional, however you want to look at it, with Wichita State and K-State saying, let's get it on. Which brings me to my next question, so to speak. I want to throw this out because I know if you're listening and you're saying, well, Wichita State and Kansas State are renewing their rivalry. And you're looking at the pandemic situation in which we're in right now. Kansas University is looking to fill its schedule because of some things that have transpired. They're supposed to play in the tournament in California. That's not going to happen. I think they had a California team on their schedule. That's not going to happen. So they're looking to replace some spots on their schedule. Even if it's only just for one game. I don't think it's too late. To say, hey, Wichita State, let's hook it up. And if I'm Wichita State, I'll even take a Syracuse deal. Now, some of you are asking, what is a Syracuse deal? That's a good question. I have the perfect answer for you. Mark Turgeon was coach of Wichita State. Got the team as high as ranked number eight, and then things kind of went south. 
But that year, they went into the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. Jim Beheim coached the Syracuse team. Beat them on their home court. So, if I'm Wichita State, I would talk to Kansas and say, hey, we'll come to your place. We don't need a return game. We'll come to your place and play you on your court. I think it's worth it. Or maybe Greg Marshall and Coach Self can sit down and say, look, the NCAA has already approved one. Maybe they can approve two. I mean, this is the culture and work we live in. We got this pandemic going on. Let's play a sanctioned charity game. It don't even have to be in Wichita. It don't have to be in Lawrence. Take it to the T-Mobile Center. I think, to me, that just makes a lot of sense. I will have more when I come back and include some scoring updates from the NBA bubble. So after this word from my sponsor, I will be back. But before I leave, I want to send a shout out right now to a black business owner. Owner is Maria Marshall. You can look her up at www.lovecoversme.com. That's www.lovecoversme.com. She's into a lot of things, so you might want to check her out. Lap scarves, catering, and much more. Also, when you see me running around town and you see me with masks on, because you know it's mandated that we have to wear masks in public places, she's the one responsible for this. So I want to send a shout out to Maria Marshall and her business, Love Covers Me. You can look her up at www.lovecoversme.com. Like I say, when I come back, I'll have some scoring updates and much more after this word from my sponsor. Airflow is beneficial in protecting those in attendance. The Big 12 made it official on Wednesday. They will go ahead with football this fall. The conference releasing their schedule earlier today. The Big 12 will play a 10-game season with the season beginning on September the 26th, with all non-conference games needing to be played prior to that week. The Big 12 championship game is set for December 12th at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said, Our medical professionals have told us, move forward, go slowly, make adjustments as needed. If we get to a point where our doctors say, you have two wheels off the track and you're headed for a wreck, we pivot that day. Bowlesby spoke to CBS Sports College football insider Dennis Dodd following the announcement. Bob, tell us the main reasons that the Big 12 decided, at least for now, to go ahead and and play a fall season. Well, we're accustomed to playing a fall season, and uh, so far our medical professionals and scientists haven't told us that it's a bad idea. Uh, We have been trying to move forward all summer 
taking small steps and making small adjustments and and being vigilant on watching the changes in the virus. And uh, so this is just a uh, uh, culmination of that. We wanted to get to the point where we could uh, uh, look at preseason camp and get a chance to uh, watch guys in uh, helmets and shoulder pads. And so we've kind of gotten to that point now and uh, our board uh, listened to all the evidence and uh, and decided that we uh, we were well advised to continue ahead and, and try and put one foot in front of the other. And so that's what we're going to do. And those are the words of Bob Bowlesby, commissioner of the Big 12, and their decision to go ahead and move forward with football season, not in the spring, but in the fall, because we know that there's already been some backlash coming from the other major conferences saying we will look at the option of playing in the spring. Well, Ohio State, namely one, is a school that is reeling from that decision. They've already lost a couple of recruits that say they are decommitting. Uh, Justin Fields, his future now is basically up in the air because he's looking at a next the, the draft next year. So, What's the chances of him playing in the spring season? Even if they say we're just going to play a six-game season, that's not likely to happen. That matter of fact, you there are so many ramifications that can come from that. Some may seem highly unlikely to happen, but when you look at the narrative of things, Justin Fields is looking to be at least a top-five pick in the NFL draft. But because of the decision that was handed down, what if his draft stock all of a sudden slips because of what has happened? Because you look at the teams that are playing, there's probably some professional, there's probably some players that have pro scouts looking at them that can just improve their draft stock. Could we be looking at a potential lawsuit? How unlikely it is? I don't know, but could it happen? Anything is possible. So, Moving on with the story, it's hard to categorize the earth-shifting events over the last five months. We have gone from no NCAA tournament to considering no NCAA. Players are becoming a third rail in the college athletics power structure, seeking a seat along with coaches in television. The earth shifted through a combination of two battles, COVID-19 and social justice. The pandemic not only caused a budget crisis, it exposed a leadership vacuum. Into that vacuum may have stepped the players themselves, the labor force, this enterprise is entirely built upon. Whatever you thought of college athletics model, it has officially and permanently changed. The rules are being rewritten in real time. This week is ending with the largest schools in the nation's second most popular sports literally divided whether to play in the fall or spring for starters the situation has become philosophical medical financial who even is leading forget ripping the ncaa for a moment when are we going to feel safe enough to sit shoulder to shoulder with our neighbor in a 100,000 seat stadium again some of you will sign up right now, but the pandemic dictates you can't. The pandemic rules everything. As of now, major college football is being played in two semesters. That endeavor itself may further stratify the sports power brokers. 
Consider that if the Big Ten and Pac-12 aren't able to pull off a spring season in 2021, they will have gone 21 months without snapping a ball. That's assuming a fall 2021 season kicks off on time. Meanwhile, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are attempting to play on time in the fall, though starting a bit late. You can see how this is setting up yet another right versus wrong discussion regarding the coronavirus. Depending on Depending which way the wind blows, a told-you-so of monumental proportions awaits from one arrogant fan base or another. For now, the competitive implications alone are ominous. There is already a danger for the Big Ten and to losing players via transfer to schools playing in the fall. If space is available, imagine having to recruit while watching rivals play games and win championships. Two-semester football might be a model for the future. In 2017, CBS Sports detailed how that might look. It's never been done before, but there's been a lot of talk about having split seasons anyway for the group of five, Northern Illinois Athletic Director Sean Frazier said. If there is some way to highlight what we do, this would be a great beta test a forced beta test because of COVID-19. The future is going to include a lot of beta tests. Will an attendance crisis lead to the construction of smaller boutique stadiums? Will the budget shortfall impact escalating salaries of coaches? Should it? Those handsomely paid coaches oversee programs that generate 80% of an average FBS athletic budget. Will athletic life go on as usual when we emerge from this insidious pandemic? Long-term athletic budgets a major concern. Liability guides every decision these days. At the highest levels, a lost football season will cost upwards of $100 million. Believe it or not, schools are already down the road financing those losses. I've had any number of bankers contact us to see if they could loan us money on FBS ad told CBS Sports. Those losses will be financed much the way you take out a 15-year mortgage on a house. Except that most Power 5 schools have debt service on existing facilities to cover. A bank will still lend that money because eventually the university will back it up back it up the loan for some chasing their football revenue though through the pandemic is cheaper than a campus shutdown quote we're trying to get as much of the 50 million in tv money as we can said a source within the big 10 but we're risking hundreds of millions of dollars on the other side there's further liability it's doubtful whether the return of college football can survive a mere hospitalization. The optics are different in college where players have little say in COVID-19 treatment that didn't exist six months ago. There are long-term effects to be considered on two levels. The decision to play or not, largely centered around the long-term effects of COVID-19. Why do we think that we can protect all these fans and players any better than one of the largest monopolies in the world?
the NFL, a Power 5 AD told CBS Sports. Meanwhile, how many of the 130 FBS teams will even be around when we come out of this? That's the ugly truth of carrying that much debt. During the pandemic, Georgia bragged about having $100 million in reserves. It is an outlier. At the bottom end of the sport, some programs essentially play football so they can continue playing football. That's one way to describe athletic budgets built on guaranteed game, student fees, and state subsidies. We're going to lose institutions, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick predicted. We're going to have a number of member institutions who won't be involved in college education in three to four years. The crisis has further revealed how athletic departments live paycheck to paycheck because they are mostly nonprofits. In theory, they have to spend every penny they bring in. In a letter, in a July letter to fans, Iowa State AD Jamie Pollard put in stark perspective what a fall without football would mean. His athletic department would have $41 million in unfunded expenses since the pandemic began. The university itself is in the process of losing $73 million through August 23rd. Now, multiply that in some form by 130. Football will survive and thrive in any altered form. Sooner or later, ADs will wake up to the silly contracts they keep giving out. James Franklin's $7 million salary at Penn State represents about 7% of the university's annual athletic budget. If the school president got 7% of Penn State's tuition money, he'd be making $119 million. In actuality, Eric Barron makes about $100 per year. Hey, they say you're worth what someone will pay you. Professionalization of college athletes on the way. College football and basketball will almost certainly will almost certainly will be more professionalized in the future. That doesn't mean the game will necessarily be distasteful. Fans will still pack stadiums. Even when the next Trevor Lawrence is making one hundred million is making one million from his name, images, image and likeness, from his social media accounts alone. Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray, who won a Heisman Trophy in twenty eighteen while playing while enjoying a five million dollar major league Baseball signing bonus, he eventually repaid it when choosing the NFL. It's clear that players will have a seat at the table making key decisions on their education, welfare, and compensation. But coaches and administrators will have to adjust, getting used to sitting across the table from marketing agents. The hashtag WeAreUnited movement had an immediate impact with a threatened boycott. The NCAA already adopted two of their demands, though it seemed to be headed that way beforehand. So there is much more to that story, but we're going to pause for the calls. And when I come back, I will have some NBA scores because, like I said, there's more to this story, but we will pick that up at another time and juncture. So when I come back, I'll have some more news and NBA scores and some more updates from around other various leagues after this word from my sponsor.
Welcome back. And we have some scoring updates uh, right now at the halftime. The 76ers have cooled off the Jets of the Rockets right now. At halftime score is 71 to 47. Uh, final score, Denver Nuggets fall to the Toronto Raptors. The defending champion Toronto Raptors 117-109. And the game that was also played earlier. Indiana Pacers knock off the Miami Heat 109-92. And the Clippers beat the Thunder. 107-103. Looking at some more scores in the NHL. Right now, 8-11 go in the third. The New York Islanders are up on the Capitals. 3-2. This is the first round. Game two. And New York leads that series 1-0. And the Coyotes go down to the Avalanche. Three to two, and that's in the West first round game two. Colorado leads that series two games to zero. So it looks like Colorado is back on their perch again. Also, first round in the East, the Canadians beat the Philadelphia Flyers in the final. The final was five to zero. That was game two. That series is tied up two to a piece. And also in the West, the Canucks beat the Blues in overtime, 4-3. to three. That was game two. And the Vancouver Canucks lead that series two games to zero. Also in the West, looks like it is Well, that's not showing me nothing right now. Oh, game three will be played tomorrow between the Stars and the Flames in the West first round. Game three, that series is tied up two, tied up one apiece. In baseball, we also have the Boston Red Sox in the bottom of the eighth with two outs, getting crushed by the Yankees nine to three. Also in the bottom of the ninth with one out, the Phillies are hanging on over the Mets, 6-5. And look like the Yankees just scored. Now their score is 10-3. Also, game that's currently in pro- progress with one out in the bottom of the seventh. The Milwaukee Brewers, the Brew Crew, is up on the Cubs, 4-3. And in the middle of the fourth, with no outs on FS1, the Dodgers are with a two-run lead over the Anaheim Angels. That score, 2-0. to zero. So, there's your scoring updates. So, let's look at some more news here. OSU and Iowa, and to not be confused, we're talking about Ohio State, or as they prefer to be called, the Ohio State, 
and Iowa football parents speak out, outraged over Big Ten's unfortunate decision to postpone the season. Frustrated parents of football players at Ohio State and Iowa are speaking out against the Big Ten's decision to postpone the football season to the spring, questioning the process and the conference leadership and are asking the league for further consideration and input. Iowa, Iowa parents on Friday hand-delivered a letter to the conference headquarters in Chicago requesting a meeting with Commissioner Kevin Warren to ask questions and get direct answers and to have a say in the decision-making process. In the letter released on Twitter on Friday, the Iowa parents asked the Big Ten what changed within the six days when the conference announced its schedule and on Tuesday when it became the first Power Five conference to push its fall sports to the spring if possible. The Iowa parents asked that the Big Ten respond no later than Wednesday. The Big Ten had months to develop a strategic plan, but instead chose to leave it up to each individual school, creating confusion, inconsistency, and no plan of action. The letter stated, There is time to fix the wrongdoings and come out as leaders. We strongly encourage the Big Ten to reconsider playing the fall college football season, develop a plan of meaningful action, and letting these young adults be included in the decision-making process. It's a process that ends with the university presidents as they have the final say in each conference as to whether schools can proceed with fall sports amid the coronavirus pandemic. Warren did not immediately respond to a request for comment from ESPN, but has said repeatedly the decision was made based on the advice of the league's medical experts and in the best interest of the student-athlete's health and wellness. You look at the overall numbers during this global pandemic, as far as caseloads, they have not decreased. They have gone up. Trends have not improved. They've become worse, Warren had previously told ESPN. You add that up, and you're getting ready to go into more formal practice. It's just a level of not only concerns, but unknown risk. When you're dealing with the health of human beings, is serious. Multiple Ohio State parents reached out to ESPN on Friday expressing both confusion and outrage about the Big Ten's abrupt pivot from practicing to pausing. It's unacceptable, said Corey Teague, father of Ohio State running back Master Teague III. It's something that needs more explanation because when you go in a certain direction and days later it changes and no one has spoken to anyone else, and players weren't able to be involved in this decision, and the protocols that were put in by Ohio State were very successful, it's unfortunate, and I don't know if it's short-sightedness there, lack of leadership, but it's definitely something that needs to be rectified, and more dialogue needs to happen. It's just a very messy situation, and we want to clean it up. Ohio State parent Christina Miller the mother of sophomore offensive lineman Harry Miller wrote her own letter to Warren. Miller said she first found out the season was postponed through the media and there was no communication from the Big Ten office. There's been no communication, no transparency, nothing to say what has changed in the last five days that we 
give you your schedule and we canceled the season within five days, she told ESPN. There's been nothing. Miller suggested that instead of having the entire conference surrender the fall season, individual teams should have the choice to play or not. Nothing that Ohio State's president let Christina Johnson and athletic director Gene Smith were in favor of moving forward with the fall plans. Similar to players having the opportunity to opt out if they choose, we feel like our teams should have that opportunity, Miller said. We're at a different level of Rutgers and Maryland. I don't mean that to sound pompous. It's just true. Our guys want to play. They want to play, and they should have the opportunity to play if they want. They shouldn't be subjected to this vote, yes or no. Well, if you guys don't want to play, opt out. Opt your team out. Let the six teams that want to play, play. Not all parents objected to the Big Ten's decision. Kim Newsom, whose son Quentin is a cornerback for the Huskers, said her biggest question is why the NCAA can't make the rules for the NCAA. Why is every conference having their preference in order to play ball or not? She said the main thing that should be the focus is athletes and the staff's safety. That's the most important thing and how it has long-term effects. We have to take into consideration the health and well-being of the program because who's to say halfway through the season half the team doesn't have coronavirus? And what happens then? I'm okay with the decision. I really am. Maurice Goodson said he would never jeopardize the health of his son, Iowa running back Tyler Goodson, but he's torn because he's also bitter about how it was handled. They didn't give us a what, when, why, how, he said. The parents know the investment the kids put in, so we're frustrated because we want to see them play. Amanda Babb, whose stepson, Cameron Babb, is a wide receiver for the Buckeyes, is the president of Ohio State's Parents Association. She said the group is working on a similar letter that will be ready to present to the Big Ten tomorrow, specifically asking, for more clarification on why the season was postponed and better communication overall. The Ohio State parents also want to know what the Big Ten's play is for the spring. Playing two seasons in one calendar year is going to be so hard on the body, Bab said. And if you really care about injuries, you need that time in between seasons. And I just really don't know they're allowing that by punting the season into the spring. Mark Moss, whose son Riley is a corner for the Hawkeyes, said the parents were brainstorming ideas about how the spring could possibly work. I said it's almost comical that a group of Iowa football parents are trying to develop a plan that maybe the NCAA and Big Ten should have thought about five months ago because they knew this was coming, Moss said. It's almost like they thought it was going to go away or there was no answer outside of canceling the season. Bottom line for me, I'm not sure the right people were in the room asking the right questions and seeking the right answers to develop a meaningful plan to at least attempt a football season. On Wednesday, after the Big Ten had announced its schedule, Iowa held a Zoom meeting with parents, with players' parents, athletic director Gary Barda, coach Kirk Ferentz, and the team's doctors and physicians. We all feel comfortable, said Julie Wagner, whose son is a defensive end. We're not trying to downplay the seriousness of COVID-19, 
but we are trying to get some clarity and transparency as to why suddenly this decision was made two days into camp. What happened? Especially in light of the fact that the rest of the country is still playing football, including the state of Iowa, including the state of Iowa school football. The Iowa parents are asking the Big Ten to consider pausing their decision so they can hear the medical experts from other parts of the country who are advising the other leagues that it's safe to continue. Let's share facts, Wagner said. What do you know that the rest of us don't know that caused you to make this decision? Because there are a lot of unintended consequences about canceling an entire season. So there, the parents have spoken up and they don't sound too happy and seem like the majority are more in favor of playing the season as opposed to those who are not in favor of playing a season. So that's another story we're going to keep our eye on. But it looks like the presidents have spoken and this is their decision. And pretty much what they say is almost usually the final word because Everything goes to the presidents. Now, if these parents can get these presidents to budge or if they can get it to where these schools that want to play. Because remember, at the onset. The first story that I broke to you about. It almost makes sense for Nebraska and Arkansas to go to the Big 12. Well, remember, Nebraska was the loudest school Granted, Michigan made noise, Ohio State made some noise, but the biggest noise was made by Nebraska. Of course, that voice got hushed down real quick and you haven't heard too much from them since. Not to say that they're not calculating or plotting, but when the commissioner of the Big Ten says, play and you won't be a member of this conference, that would make you kind of tend to if I could say it this way, close your pie hole, so to speak. But it don't stop you from thinking. And now, we got the parents speaking out. So could there be a window of opportunity for the schools that want to play, to be able to play? Because there were some valid points made in that article where it says just like players have the right, if they want to opt out, they can opt out. Well, if schools want to opt out and not play, let those certain schools opt out, but don't make a decision for everybody, which is what the parents are basically saying. So we'll keep our eye on that situation because I believe it is a developing situation. And I don't believe that's the last we're going to hear from it. So I think there will be some more to come out of that story as well next week. So we will definitely keep our eyes open and our ears open as well and see how that situation turns out. Well, once again, as I get ready to end this podcast, I want to end it on this note. I want to send a very special shout out to Maria Marshall. You can find her at www.lovecoversme.com www.lovecoversme.com She is into a lot of things. But it's all under her umbrella of lovecoversme.com. Lap scarves, catering, uh, 
the mask that you'll be seeing me wearing, especially if you're here in the Wichita area, she's the one that's responsible for most of the masks that I am wearing nowadays. So look her up. If you're in Georgia, you have no reason not to look her up, okay? Once again, Maria Marshall. You can reach her at area code 229-809-0484. That's at love, www.lovecoversme.com. Once again, Maria. Thank you for the beautiful mask. I love them. Until next time, I will be trying to effort some guests. Uh, possibly, once I shoot a text, maybe tomorrow I may have a guest on. If not, I'll just have some more news. So, once again, this is A Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your host, Anthony Smith. I'm signing off. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. And God bless you.